Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ford and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. For this week's TV edition, we are going back to jolly old England for another installment of Hammer House of Horror. This is, I believe, episode 5, titled Growing Pains. And I don't know any of these English actors, so I couldn't tell you who's in it. But... If you want to watch along, I notice that there are several episodes on YouTube. And if you want to have a lot more fun than watching them with me, you can watch them with Elvira because the thriller video episodes are up there too. I don't know if the whole series is up there, but I know a good chunk of them are. So before we get into the episode, I want to get some plugs out of the way. First and foremost, please go to Amazon.com to check out my books in Kindle and paperback editions by typing in Brandon Ford. You can also find my author page there. If you prefer audiobooks, just go to Audible.com or the Audible app. Type in Brandon Ford. You'll find several of my audiobooks. If you don't already, please follow me on Instagram at writerbrandonford, all one word. You can also follow me on Twitter at brandonford. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, suggestions, criticisms, recommendations, please feel free to email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com. Last but not least, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you don't already rating at this point because this podcast is still in its infancy rating is the most important thing it only takes a couple seconds just to choose a star rating if you are feeling mighty generous i'll also take a review just a few sentences let me know that you enjoy the podcast or you know if you have any ideas about how to improve it there are a number of ways to get in contact with me. So, as you know, j- jackasses who want to be your friendly boss always say, "My door is always open." All right. So, I I don't know why I thought that was funny, and I thought I thought of that. I think I'm laughing because of how not funny. And stupid it was. And I'm such a fucking dork. Alright. So we're going to get ready. To start Growing Pains. I don't know why, but Growing Pains and Charlie Boy are interchangeable to me. Charlie, Charlie Boy is another episode. And they have nothing to do with each other. But for some strange reason, I confuse them. I guess because with Growing Pains, I think of kids, and Charlie Boy sounds like the name of a little kid. I don't know. Fucking whatever. So, okay. We're going to get started in three, two, one, play. So, we have to have our prologue here. With every episode of Hammer House of Horror, there's always a prologue that kind of sets up the whole story. And then we go to the opening titles. And in this prologue, we see 10-year-old William Morton killing himself. And... There's an interesting line, I think, by the mother, Lori. I think she says, look at the hatred in his eyes, or on his face. or I forget the line is. But nevertheless, this is an interesting setup. A 10-year-old committing suicide. Or I don't even know if you know if it's suicide right away. But, um, and I guess 
the whole William thing is English because if this was the US, he would be Billy. So, there's going to be spoilers because I don't know how to not spoiler this. Uh, he ingested some sort of fungus and it uh, came his father is a see the father being a botanist I think sort of overcomplicates the plot a plot that should be very very simple but yeah the father being a botanist with working on this plant that is going to solve world hunger and he has all these people coming from this certain She said it. She's, I didn't hear it, but she said, his, look at his face. It's like hatred or some shit like that. Um, but yeah, Terrence, who plays the botanist, husband, father of William, is working on this protein-heavy plant that will solve world hunger. And he has his sights set on Africa and he's meeting with these people from a certain organization who come to the house and yeah i that's the a subplot to what i think should be a very simple story about the ghost of a child who is haunting a family um i wasn't sure what to make of this one at first as far as what was going to happen I thought it was going to be very much like the omen I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be one of those evil little kid stories which were popular in the 70s and this series was 1980 one thing that I have to do say I have to say though um, so William was 10 when he killed himself and then it's supposed to be a year later so it's present day 1980 and we cut to Lori going to an orphanage to adopt another little boy who is 10 years old so it, it they are literally replacing William with this new little boy James which is it's kind of like a very very twisted take on you know when you have a beloved pet a cat or a dog and you've had this this animal forever and he or she passes away and you're completely and totally heartbroken and then you have people who are not exactly very sensitive and think they're being helpful by saying well, why don't you just get another one that's essentially what this is their child dies so they just go get another one and they go and adopt another one which I think is worse than having another baby because they had to go through because it's not easy to adopt an orphaned child and they want to make sure that you're not that you are you know mentally sound to look after this child who needs a home so yeah they had to go through all these interviews and psychiatric evaluations and I don't know I think that there should have been something but there we only have like a 50 what is the 52 minute I think these are all like 52 minutes so we only have a 52 minute running time so they don't have the time but I think that there should have been 
perhaps if this was a feature, something where there is some interaction with Lori and Terrence, the parents, with James, the little, the new little boy, and what James is like prior to the adoption. Because when he is brought to Lori by the matron, which is what he calls her, which I thought was odd, um, this is kind of a pivotal moment. I think this is supposed to represent William's ghost or spirit inhabiting James at this point because the car goes crazy as they're driving by the cemetery where William is buried and James looks at the window and says what an awful place so that's where James is, or William is buried but what I was going to say was I think there should have been a scene where you saw what James was like before he was adopted and brought home because right away, even before he gets in the car, he is a little odd. He's a little off. And he's clinging to this rabbit. Um, uh, which, yeah, I think I just nailed it when I said that that William's spirit inhabited James's body at this point because because James has this little stuffed bunny rabbit this little plush uh, doll that he takes with him and he carries with him in the car and the matron refers to him as Bugsy and then later Terrence asks, what's the name, what's his name? And James thinks for a minute and says, Horace. And Lori is struck by that immediately because she heard the matron refer to the, to the doll as Bugsy. And she's just like, why did you say that? Um, I know I heard him, I heard the matron call him Bugsy or whatever. And then James says, well, I decided to change it. Um, and I think that was because the spirit of William, who was inhabiting James, didn't know the name of the doll. So he just made one up. But I can't get this thought out of unusual here. Um... I think that there should have been some interaction between the parents and James, or shown some interaction between the parents and James. According to what is said in the story, they do, they have met on several occasions. You just don't, it's just not shown. And I think one or two should have, one or two visits should have been shown because it would let the viewer know that James is different after he gets in the car and after he goes to after he goes to live after he goes to live with um, the Mortons because he's just odd right away and you don't know that he's uh, he's odd before they pass the cemetery he's very formal and even the matron says he's like an old man by the way he talks because he's overly polite and you know he's not like a normal 10 year old boy and that he's not he's not at all precocious or you know as one would expect a 10 year old child to be even an english one But it's funny, too, because he starts to exhibit unusual behavior right away. However, the behavior, the behaviors are not so in your face 
However, Lori is having a nervous breakdown, like right out the gate. And like, especially with the the scene where William says, "Where's my jackknife?" And she's like, "You didn't have a jackknife." And the matron made a list, which I thought was weird. She made a list of all of the items that James was bringing with him from the orphanage to the Morton's house. And she looks at the list and she says, there's no jackknife on here. I guess, well, yes, um, that was supposed to be, um, William had a jackknife. And because I think the father says something to the effect of, uh, what did he say? He says something like, fucking, this, I, I think this was here before, or, or, I don't, I don't, he says something. But what is, what is also strange is his resentment and unwilling his resentment toward the parents and unwillingness to call them mom or dad or mother and father they have to do a little bit of prodding for him to be able to do that and then even when he does it doesn't stick he goes from calling Lori mother to Mrs. Morton to mother Um, but I do think that the basis for this this episode is is interesting because I think that we've all during our formative years or pre adolescence we've all had those moments where. Uh, she's talking about the name of the talking about the name of the, the rabbit it's I think it's supposed to, to be based on something that everybody experiences as a pre-adolescent when they have kind of a blowout with their parents and you either don't get your way or you don't get what you want or you feel you're being unjustly admonished for something and you kind of have not serious but definitely adolescent suicidal ideation and I think anybody who says they've never had suicidal ideation is a fucking liar because everybody has at one point but I think everybody has had that moment as a child where they think that, well, since my mom and dad were so mean to me and they don't care about me, I'll just kill myself and then they'll feel so terrible for the way they treated me and this will be my the perfect way to get back at them. And, of course, hopefully, the vast majority of the children who have these kinds of thoughts don't follow through with them, but William does. And... His reasoning is he feels he's being ignored, in particular by his father, who is constantly working. Wait a minute. Ah, uh, that's horrifying. Maggots. There's maggots in. I think it's a steak. And the way it's set up, the way it's set up, the way it's set up, and she says, you don't like meat? And he says, no, that's not it. I just don't like these things in it. And then you see the maggots. Mm. 
So she's she's definitely emotional. And I think that would have made more sense had it been a little closer to William's death. But it's been a year, not that you could get over the death of a child in a year. But I think if it were a little closer to his death, her temperamental behavior would be a little more understandable. I think there's a lot of subtlety to this episode, to the story. And I think the kid who plays, who plays James does a really good job. He kind of reminds me, I can't see him. I can't see him, but he kind of reminds me, or I think the way the character, he plays a character reminds me a lot of the story in uh, Dead of Night which was later remade in Trilogy of Terror 2 Bobby with the little boy who was abused well there's some correlations there because that little boy was abused and he drowned himself and then his mother who was into witchcraft calls him back and she thinks who has come back as her son, but he's actually a demon Bobby sent in his place because Bobby didn't like her very much. That's a good, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, this kid, even though he's the kid in the, in, in the Bobby story is American. I don't know. I think there's a, there's a, there's a subtlety in the performance that, is reminiscent of it and I don't know if because I did have the A&E DVD box set when it first came out of Hammer House of Horrors and I think I only watched the episodes that I knew and was familiar with and there were others that I tried to watch but I found them to be kind of snoozy so I didn't finish them this was an episode that I didn't watch and it was an episode that I didn't know anything about and I didn't even see any previews of because like I said Elvira hosted these um, for thriller video and at the end of at the end of she gave, he gave, she gave him a new a new rabbit wait a minute See that that I right there I don't know how I feel about that. But what he did was I think he cut up the the plush the plush rabbit that she gave him because Bugsy slash Horace was old and smelly. So she took him to be wa or wanted to wash him and she gave him a new one and yeah, he fucked it up. And then she came back and had a nervous breakdown again because of what he did to the doll. And then... And then he got all... petulant. And he kind of... He's kind of one note throughout the episode until and ex- with the exception of that moment and I think the one note performance is really what sells it because it makes him kind of it makes him eerie and but when he 
is very surly and says, I'm going to write to the matron and tell her that you mistreated me and it'll make me go back. And that thing about there aren't enough children to go around anymore is definitely a callback to William killing himself. Because there aren't as many children anymore. One less. But what I was saying before was at the end of every thriller video, Elvira would always try to get you to rent or buy the other episodes or the other thriller video uh, VHS tapes and she would show little clips and I never saw a clip of this one. Oh, he's used the knife, the father. Yeah. Yeah, he found the jackknife and he says, I've seen this before, it isn't his. Meaning James's. I wish I was English. <laughs> I didn't know it came in your size. When I had a new son, sleep in the nappies for 18 months. I think it's really nice <laughs> when parents adopt children what you doing? which aren't babies because ev whenever parents want to adopt a child, they always want, you know, at, at most a child who's three. And you really don't see children past that age being adopted. They always end up in foster homes, which tend to not be very healthy places. And I think it's, but I think they're, um, they're being Lori and Terrence, the, the parents, their reasoning for adopting William, I guess was to, um, what's the phrase, um, fuck, because they were feeling guilty, so they wanted to, they wanted to ease their own torment, I was going for something a little more eloquent, but I can't, I couldn't think of the phrase. See, this kid is so starved for attention that he, well, he has the, the, the rabbit with him at all times. He has the dog with him at all times. And he's even willing to spend the day with the mechanic at the auto shop watching the parent's car getting fixed. Because he so desperately needs a parental figure in his life and he feels so unloved because his parents have their own things going on. And I think it's it's really sad too that his father who works in a greenhouse or whatever the fuck it is is right there but he's not. You know, he's he he's right he's right at home but still he can't be there for his son. I had to go over the synopsis, the plot summary for this because on Wikipedia, because there were some, for the most part, I, I listened to it last night and there were some, for the most part, 
I was able to follow it. There were a couple of things that I didn't get. But for the most part, I was able to follow it pretty well. Because a lot of it is dialogue driven. And... Yeah, so I had to go over the plot summary prior to recording this. And they have this dog named Nipper. And because his name is Nipper, I was picturing a little ankle biter or something. Like a little chow or some shit like that. Oh no, Nipper is a Rottweiler. Didn't see that one coming. But I guess they had to have a vicious sort of attack dog because of the scene that's coming up in which Nipper goes after the rabbits, which I guess they're, they are lab rabbits because... I don't know. In trying to grow this plant which is taking Terrence so many years to try to figure out. Um, because he has to, cause it's supposed to be protein rich and he has to figure out uh, what, what, which proteins are poisonous and which aren't. Which is kind of sad when you think about all those little poor little bunny rabbits. And later, he uses some of the some of the mold or or the poisonous plant to kill Nipper because he's convinced by these guys from the organization that he's trying to I don't know sell the plant to. See, this is why what I'm talking about it 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 sort of complicates a very very uncomplicated. A very simplified plot by giving the father a job which is which has so many layers he could have just as easily been like a fucking a best-selling author or something who was always locked in his bedroom working on his latest book and having meetings with his agents or publishers or something like that. No. This guy has to be a botanist who's trying to solve world hunger. And I think that the son William his grave is a little too close to where they live because while walking the dog James finds William's grave pretty quickly and easily Oh yeah, they say that this, that there's also parts of this plant that have hallucinogens And they're talking about because the and Terence is getting defensive here because this guy who works for the organization he's trying to give the plant to or sell the plant to or I don't know get them to use the plant is aware of someone eating a piece of the plant and going to his grave in a hallucinogenic haze and Terrence gets very very defensive because he they're talking about William I don't know what what he did here but or who that was. I think it was the mechanic. But he was at the grave. And I think that's where he was. That, well, that's, he was at a grave. I think it was Williams. 
But he was at the grave, and there was a scene that I think I talked over in which he says to the grave, what do you want of me? So he, James, returns to his real self very, very briefly. And I guess the spirit or the ghost well, they don't say... I think this is meant to be a ghost story. So the ghost of William is in the dog now. And that's why the dog goes after the rabbits. I don't know. It's kind of confusing and a little more convoluted than I think it should be. But he says, whoever that guy was, said to James, you defiled that grave... That's a sin. I don't know what he did. But I can only imagine that since he had a dog near it, that the dog peed on it or something. And... And the guy says, um, it's a sin to do that, to defile a grave. And James says there are far greater sins, debts that must be paid, which is very ominous and creepy. So that kind of sets the viewer up to believe that James has been sent to right some wrongs here and to perhaps kill Terence and Laurie because they neglected William in some way. And the only thing that you really know, that you really you really get or um, are given as far as the story goes and as far as how William is neglected is this very cryptic poem that he writes or that he's written and is found in a drawer with some other books by James who is reading it like he's never read it before and he encourages Lori to read it so and she she seems to get it right away I don't remember where she goes on this during this scene but she goes somewhere where she's gone for the majority of the day and James is left to his own devices so so this is supposed to take place over the over the winter holidays which I think is convenient because they had to pick a time they could have just said it in summer but I don't think uh, I think it's kind of hard to fake summer in England so yeah they had to set it in a in a time when the James character would be home all the time and you know um basically getting himself into trouble by doing these very unusual things so that that guy the guy from uh the organization he was he was Indian or something or or Hindu or something and because I could tell because of his accent but he you know is a scientist as well and he is convincing or was trying to convince Terence before the dog even attacked Terence at least from what I remember and what I can tell and what I'm picking up on here right now that um, 
Snipper once because he's tasted blood he needs to be put down and he's saying you know once an animal tastes blood that uh it uh his craving for it never goes away or blah 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 so he's he, i don't know if he's i don't know if he actually comes right out and says that he needs to be put the the dog needs to be put down but it's very much implied and I don't, I never understood if that was meant to be true for only human blood or if it is, if the same goes if for, if an animal attacks another animal, like if a dog, like, you know, attacks a, a rabbit, um, I thought that if there was a bloodlust, that it would be for rabbit. I don't know. I'm. I've never owned a dog, and I don't claim to be fucking that dog whisperer guy. But so yeah, Terrence put the dog down very unceremoniously. Just fed, fed him the poison and just said, "What did he?" I think he just said so long nipper or bye or goodbye nipper it was it was like a very you know it was very he's very unsympathetic and unemotional and it didn't really seem to pain him at all to be putting this animal down i guess he's used to dealing with dead animals all the time using lab rabbits yeah I so I so saw that coming I think that has to be the most predictable part of the whole episode after the car gets back and Terrence tells Lori that there was nothing wrong with the steering wheel. Of course there was nothing wrong with the fucking steering wheel. Could have told you that the minute it was happening, that it was a supernatural thing. Uh. Yes, James. You are. Who's William unhappy? No. Ah. She's a fucking live wire, this lady. Why are you always saying people, things are unhappy? I just keep getting these thoughts in my head from somewhere. From where? I don't know where they come from. See, I don't know if James is wholly or entirely inhabited by William or if he is partially James and partially William or William only haunts him at certain times. It's a little confusing. And while all this exchange was going on, or while uh, James gets into bed, you hear Nipper howling outside. So the dog's a ghost now. Maybe. Um, that protein-rich plant that Terence is working on, or the mold in it, had something to do with 
the arrival of the ghosts because William died by eating it and he became he returned as a ghost and then Nipper ate it and then returned as a ghost so there could be some correlation there maybe that these this plant carries some supernatural component I don't know, but if it does, I think that's kind of dumb. Mom and Dad, oh how they care. They feed the world. Mother loves a zombie. William also, a son and heir. Doubt of sight is still common. Come at last. Yeah, so he's reading that poem that <clears throat> that James wrote before he died. And he's saying that his parents love the world and all who's on it. Which I thought was interesting. An interesting choice of words. But it had they had to, they had to use on it because it's just, they say something like the world and all who's honored except for William Morton Morton who is like a comet or some shit like that that doesn't even rhyme but anyway they're saying that you know He's saying that 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 he feels as though he is floating uh, in the galaxy all alone, and all of the love that their parents have is being bestowed upon everyone on Earth, except for him. I don't, I don't know. He's, he just is feeling unloved. He's feeling un ignored and unloved and he's a fucking brat. And now there's Ghost Nipper. <clears throat> and by the way, FYI, just you know aside if this greenhouse or whatever it is i don't even know i th I, I would assume it's a greenhouse since the father's a botanist and he's growing plants and shit whatever it is that he works out of that is right next to the house if it has poisonous plants and types of mold that can or types of mold that are hallucinogens and all the shit that can kill you and they have a little boy that thing should be gated and sealed up all they really do is say that James can't go in there and what what makes a child want to do something more than anything when you tell them they can't do it? She's gonna blow gasket again. She is unfit.
Their son and deer? Is that what the fuck? William Morton, their son and deer, it was out of sight, a distant comet. I'm not sure if um, again I'm not sure if James if, uh, William is inhabiting James all the time or if William is inside James only part of the time because he just called Lori mother but Prior to that, he asks if his father loved William, but he calls his father Mr. Morton. I don't know, it's very confusing. All this shit about this fucking plant, it really. Uh, there's Ghost Nipper again. All this stuff about the plant slows the story down, I think. I don't, I don't know. Could you imagine being in a, in a like third world country and people were starving and you hadn't eaten anything for days and then all of a sudden this plane flies in and it's got a big crate and you think oh my god it's food we're gonna eat and they start giving you weeds i would have been like listen okay <laughs> if you think i'm gonna eat these fucking weeds another breakdown Alright, you're a hysterical lady. So th uh, this is the revelation of Ghost William, and he's threatening to kill a. I think he's threatening to kill a rabbit. Oh. Oh no, the plant. He's gonna get the plant. See, this is his way of getting back at his father. I think he resents his father more than his mother because his father's priorities are that stupid fucking weed which he thinks he's, is going to cure the world. saying because of that stupid manip manipulation to his voice. I want my plant. Oh my god. 
fucking jerk off. I can't understand what the fuck he's saying. He fell into an open grave and he's dead. So they're at the cemetery near... William's grave and then William's tombstone says has Terrence's name on it this so reminds me of that episode of Seinfeld with the girl who cries at the drop of a hat she, she cries at beaches she cries when she drops a hot dog she cries when her shoes untied and then when her grandmother dies, she's totally fine. So this is like the mother. She has a breakdown for every other fucking thing. But her husband is just dropped dead, fallen into a hole. And now she's fine. She's to she hasn't even shed a tear. I never knew that a wreath, that's what a wreath was supposed to symbolize. It's supposed to be love for all the unloved. I don't know. So there was a wreath on William's grave. What kind of bullshit ending is that? That is bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. That's very, a very unsatisfying ending. And I'm very unsatisfied. If there were, was an 800 number, I would call it, because that is bullshit. And do not take that sauce to the country fair, because it is weak. Nevertheless, thanks very much for staying with me to the bitter, bitter end. That was Growing Pains. And until next time, this is Brandon Ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams.